Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. We're going to start it off right from the top. I'm going to hit you with a boom, baby. If you're a Pacers fan, you know what's up with that boom, baby. I had to start with the boom, baby, because I got my man, Kyle, from the Wax Museum podcast, fellow Pacers fan, on the pod today. It took me a while. I don't know why it took a while. I've been listening to Wax Museum ever since I got back into the hobby, so super excited to have Kyle join me. Of course, we talk about the Pacers. We talk about his podcast and creating content, who he's collecting, touch on some uh, current state of the hobby topics. I had a lot of fun with this one. It's always great to talk with a fellow hobby content creator. Make sure you check out Wax Museum if you aren't already. Also, too, Starstock. Make sure you're checking out Starstock. Use promo code SLABS when you sign up. Got to plug the Starstock team on this one. It's a platform I've been using, having a blast, easy to transact. They get your cards in their system quick, not like some other things and grading companies we're dealing with. It's fast, speed, baby. That's what I love about Starstock. Make sure you use that promo code SLABS. All right, you ready? You ready to hear some Pacers talk? It's not all Pacers talk. I know not all of you are Pacers fans. We'd like to think you are, but that's okay. Hopefully you enjoy this one. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with Kyle. All right, everybody. I am really excited about this conversation. I've talked a lot about OG podcasts and content creators that I listened to and watched when I came back into the hobby. I think I've got them all done except for this one. So I've got Kyle with the Wax Museum here. Um, Kyle has been a podcast that I've been listening to every week since I got back into the hobby. And I love just his perspective. It's unique. It's different. It doesn't sound like other podcasts. It can go in a lot of different directions, but it's gives a really good um, balance between what's happening currently in the hobby and a historical component to it as well. So Kyle, thanks for being on the Hobby Hustle. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brett. I appreciate you having me on. I, I hope I um, don't bring any shame to the the hobby hustle, the hustle aspect of it. I'm hustling in different ways. You, you will not. I, I I promise you that. I, I know this is going to be a uh, exciting conversation. But and I have to say, and I uh, recorded the Wednesday episode uh, this weekend, and I apologize to my audience in advance. This is the first time that I have an Indiana Pacers fan on the line with me. So I figured you're a big Pacers fan. I'm a big Pacers fan. Why don't we open and talk a little Pacers at the top? What do you think? I I think it's only fitting that we completely bypassed talking about Philip Rivers noodle arm. I'm all for it, man. Let's go. (laughs) I will. I was actually just talking to my dad before I jumped on with you and we were talking Colts and, um, I don't even want to get into the game, but I'm glad they won. And it was nice to see Philip Rivers uh, win a game for us and being down. But I'll tell you what, every time he drops back, I'm ter- terrified. I can't, I can't do it, man. And then, and then he overthrew someone in a deep ball by, by seven yards. It's like, I don't, you're, you're shot putting the ball, everything in between then, but then you overthrow the guy. But anyway, yes. I don't get to talk about football. So I, I guess I had to bring that up real quick. There you go. Um, so I've picked up on just listening to you, obviously, and not an episode goes by without some mention of the Pacers. Um, in the offseason, it's mostly obscure Jeff Foster cards you're hunting and collecting, which I find just awesome. Um, but I guess I want to know, like, for you, like, your history as a Pacers fan and just having such an affiliation with with the Pacers, like, how how much does that drive your activity in the hobby? I am all about continuity. So um, I'll try and keep this part brief. But basically, 
you know, I grew up in Indiana, um, basketball, everyone talks about how big basketball is in Indiana. You know, you, every driveway has a goal. So, you know, that, that was a huge deal, but grew up in the Jordan era. Um, but Reggie Miller was our hero. And I think I've, I've heard you kind of, I, I know you're picking up Reggie Miller stuff right now. Actually, I remember hearing that. So I started watching around 95. And so, you know, I didn't, I, I was about seven or eight then. Um, started watching around 95. And um, I actually watched a little bit of Hoosiers basketball before that because dad was a big Hoosiers fan. But I think as I got into the Hoosiers, he started also watching more Pacers. He had kind of casually watched them. Um, and it, he noticed, you know, it was something that I was really getting into. So it, it's kind of like I, I can always um, put my put events in my life in order. Uh, they run parallel with what was happening with the Pacers at that time. I can kind of do that. So because it's always been one constant for me, you know, whether I was moving out of state or, or whether I had to move you know, in state to a different house. It's like I always kind of had the Pacers. Um, that was my social conduit in the state of Indiana and then even outside of Indiana sports is how I've connected to people. Um, I found that, you know, everyone has a sport that they follow or they know about or a sport, you know, a team where they're from. And that's just kind of how I've navigated social situations. And, you know, along the way, it connected with my father that way. So every card that I chase kind of has all of that embedded into it. I love that. And I was I was thinking about this. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you, because I was like reflecting back on my fandom of the Pacers and what was like the first moment that I remember. And I was like thinking long about it. And my head always wants to go to like the Reggie Miller performances. But like, I think my earliest memory was in 91 when the Pacers had the Celtics in the first round. And it was the game that Chuck person just went absolutely nuts. I think he had like almost 40 points and he hit like seven threes. But, and I, I just think about like, the Celtics and that old floor and just like those memories of that game. And I was, you know, six years old at the time, but for whatever reason, I remember that connection and that the, they were wearing the Flojo jerseys and Rick Smith was wearing 24, not the 45. Everyone right. remembers him by. So I'm curious, like, what are those like early defining moments for you as just a Pacers fan that like, when you think about the Pacers, like the first things that come to mind for you? So I actually, um, you know, I was alive during that time. And I think that wasn't that the game where Larry Bird's head bounced off the floor or was <laughs> yeah, that a different yeah. one? So, um, but I wasn't watching the Pacers then. So I'd kind of hear about it. You know, you'd hear about it on the news, you know, it headlined the news. Um, and my parents watched the news all the time. I remember that growing up. Um, you know, we had to catch the top of the five o'clock news. And, um, but I think for me, it was more so the Reggie Miller against the Knicks. And I, I can't say I, you know, I don't remember all of them. I don't remember watching all of the games, but there are certain ones later on that I remember, you know, I can tell you exactly where I was. So I think it is some of the early stuff kind of played into me gaining interest in the team as well. Maybe I wasn't watching it at the moment, but it kind of drew me in because, you know, who's this Reggie guy? Like, I got to I got to find out more. That's right. And I think like those to me, that's like the most iconic stuff in the Pacers is that Knicks rivalry. And I think just the calls on the radio, Mark Boyle and a guest you just had on your show, which was one of my favorite just conversations I've listened to, uh, Bobby Slick Leonard. And I, I think a Slick to us as Pacers fans is he's as good as it gets. And to me, like, I always, when I respond to people in the hobby or someone does something cool, I always say boom, baby. And it's because mm -hmm. of slick. And I never know if anyone understands that, <laughs> that I'm saying it to, but like you just, the boom, baby calls with Reggie hitting those threes in MSG. I mean, that's, that's iconic to me. So what was it like for you talking with a Pacers legend slick and the guy who's kind of turned boom, baby into like, a thing in Pacers folklore. Yeah. I think first off people, maybe, maybe newer fans, I should say, don't really know how big of a deal radio was. Um, we have access to everything now. So listening to a game on the radio seems absurd. You can stream you know, video of a game anywhere. 
but radio was a, a, I mean, I actually, I listened to some of the NBA drafts on the radio. Like if my parents were watching the TV, I had to go listen to the radio on the draft. I don't, I don't even know if they like have the draft on the radio anymore. I figure they do. But um, so, you know, if we were going somewhere, we'd turn on the Pacers game. If, you know, if we were eating out that night, coming back home, we'd listen to the Pacers game. That way we could catch it and we didn't miss anything before we watched it on TV. So we listened to Mark Boyle and Slick Leonard all the time. And I, I knew him as the radio guy more before I did the coach. Right. And then I started, you know, as I got older, I started reading more about the Pacers. So, and then to find out that this guy saved this guy and his wife, Nancy saved the franchise. It was a big deal because I just, I just talked to or alluded to earlier, kind of the emotional connection that I've had to that franchise growing up. You know, if, if, if I had never been introduced to the Pacers, I wouldn't be hosting a podcast. I wouldn't be talking to these people. Uh, I wouldn't have spent all this money on Pacers cards. I wouldn't spend all this time chasing cards. So he played a major role in that. And, you know, I, I wish I could communicate all that to him and, and he would understand exactly, you know, that I meant that. It's, it's not a cliche when I say, like, I don't know where I would be without the Pacers. I know that sounds goofy. Cause it's not like I'm a player or, or even an employee or anything, but um, they played such a huge role in my life. And he, him and his wife played such a huge role in the team. Uh, and I did, I talked to his wife a little on the phone prior to the interview. And I told her that, and, and she said, well, we don't know where we'd be without the Pacers either. That's awesome. And I like, I'm not going to give anything away. Everyone, if you're interested, I highly recommend, even if you're not a Pacers fan, Go check out that episode specifically on Wax Museum podcast. But to me, like, I never knew how he got the slick nickname until that interview, which was I awesome. I didn't either. Yeah, I, it was. Uh, and and I, I guess I'd never thought about it because he, he never really was Bobby to me. He was always slick. Right. I, you know, it's I just try to paint the picture to everyone about how big of a legend this guy is. Modern day, like I, I know, you know, he's gotten older and, you know, probably doesn't move as well. But like, I remember being in college and, you know, probably having one too many beers uh, at uh, Banker's Life and Slick would just be like walking around the main concourse and just like saying hey to everyone. He might or might not have walked outside and had a smoke break or two, but like he's like people just stand and watch him and he's just so friendly and says hi to everyone. So I think like the attachment to people on teams or who are involved in teams is such a big piece of the hobby. And I think that's what I love about the content that you make is like, you try to bring that to life. Yeah. I mean, I think you can't just collect and, and not have any attachment to it. Uh, or, or maybe, maybe it would be easier. I don't know. I, I mean, that's why anytime I get, uh, I buy a collection and there's valuable like hockey stuff in there. I'm excited because it's like, I will have no desire to keep this. Whereas like there's basketball stuff that I know I should probably sell to offset the cost of the lot, but it's like, Oh, I've got a connection to this. I, you know, I was there, I watched such and such game or, you know, I, I hoard stuff. That's the real problem. <laughs> don't we all? Maybe let's talk about your, I'm, I'm interested to hear the origin story of Wax Museum. Um, what was running, what was the catalyst for you um, starting the show? And then I think like maybe what is like week to week, what is your process on deciding on what you want to talk about? So there were, when I started this, there were already shows out there. Um, there was, uh, well, the original one, which is a guest you recently had, which was Adam which is the basketball card podcast, the 27 guy, real 27 guy, whatever moniker he goes by on that platform. And there was uh, 90s B-ball cards on YouTube with Jake Roy, which is another guest you just recently had. Um, and there was Cardboard Chronicles with Josh, who's another guest that you recently had. You've had them all, like you said, I guess. Um, and then House of Jordans with Chris and Brian and Christina. And I, there were elements of all those shows that I liked. But... I'm the kind of guy when I watch or see or hear something, um, I'm like, oh, I would do, I would do this this way. And not so much to be critical of them, but that's just always going through my mind. And, and at some point I stopped and I said, you know, I can't expect them to conform their shows to, <laughs> to my exact liking. That's not reasonable, fair. It, it's um, crazy. 
in fact. So uh, I said, you know what? I, I think I can do this. I don't, I didn't have any uh, real knowledge about microphones or equipment or anything, but I've got computer knowledge. So um, I said, well, I'll just talk about cards. So that's what I did. I started my own. I, you know, I, and I did, I talked to those people, Hey, how'd you do this? Hey, what do you do for this? Um, and they were all very gracious to me and, and it came to be. And uh, as far as, as what topics I choose to talk about, you know, a lot of times it's, I, I've tried several approaches, it, you know, at, at one point it was like, Hey, let's talk about current releases. But then it was just like, you know what? I, I'll never see those products. I can't even get my hands on them. And, and I just criticize them every week. So I don't want to be that guy. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm really not out to bash Panini. They've done a lot of things that I love, but I got to start talking about things that I like. And so that's the, the approach has kind of shifted. I wanted to be a time capsule for basketball cards and a time capsule that people could go back and say, okay, you could say all sorts of things about 2019 and 2020, but let's listen to somebody that was there. And that was chronicle that was, that was telling us all about it in the moment, not somebody, you know, because if I were to tell you about 2020 in three years, there are going to be things that happen in between that probably shape my perspective and not. Not that I'm trying to change the narrative, but it's probably going to shape my perspective and I might see things differently. So I wanted to create a time capsule where people could see what was going on in the present. Now, sometimes I will talk about the past. I really do enjoy the, the history aspect of it, which is why I did um, the, the title Wax Museum. I mean, there's the wax as in like unopened product and then museum, the history part. And um not to, I don't, this is not to build up what I do, but I, I kind of see what I do as my form of art. You know, I don't sing, I don't do anything like that, but I think what I do is art in a way because I'm trying to piece together the history and, and bring in my own aspect of it and, and maybe make people, you know, laugh or think along the way. Um, you know, this week I, I'll give you a preview. Well, it all, it would have come out yesterday once mm -hmm. this one airs, but I, I think I'm talking a little bit about a, first century Roman writer. And then in the next breath, I think I'm talking about juvenile back that thing up. Right. <laughs> so it's like, there, there's like, there's an element of it where I'm trying to bring in a lot of different dimensions and keep people engaged and, and try and touch on different memories of different things that people have had along the way. Yeah, no, and it works. And I think like I, there are times where I'll, I'll listen to your show. It's like even this past week where it was like, man, like, I know so much about Jay Crowder cards right now. And I know so like I'm about like his, and you uh, don't need to, and I know, and I don't need to, but it's like entertaining. Sorry, Steve. To yeah. It's, it's, it's hearing like passion from a guest you bring on about why he's a Jay Crowder collector. And it gets into different topics of sets that like status and that whole conversation that I can agree, like going back and digging into sets. I think that's a really cool product, but I I don't understand what happened to it, but like your show, you kind of paint the picture of like, this is where it is now. This is what's going on. And so I always feel like every time I listen, I start to care about something I never thought I would care about and then learn something new. And I think to me, those are marks for good content. Yeah. And well, it's dangerous for me because, um, you know, I'm learning along the way too. There's a lot of stuff I've lived through, but a lot of stuff that I'm either fact checking or filling in the details or, um, you know, like I, I talk a lot about 2000 stuff, but I was seeing that stuff from the perspective of a 16 and 17 year old with a high end card for me was 40 or 50 bucks. Um, so that, you know, my, that's kind of my perspective from that time frame. So I, I have to reach out and talk to other people too, that were actually opening like exquisite. I was just viewing it on or not even, you know, there weren't even really a lot of video breaks. You're very lucky if you had a video break, then we would, and, and actually there were We'll talk about this later. There were message boards that uh, incentivized posting scans of your hits, uh, which you know seems funny now, but like they had to bribe people to post hits to bring people to the forum. So it's a different world, man. And I'm trying to, you know, I want to want it to be a time capsule and try and kind of bring you stuff from that era as well. Yeah, no, and I think it was good uh, segue into talking about just the forums and the communication. I think it's there's. I always, my think message that I always talk to people about 
is just like there's so many different channels, platforms, forums to connect with people, to build relationships, to learn about product, to connect with people who are where you want to be from a collecting perspective in three to five years. Like the communication channels and opportunities are endless. Part of what you talk a lot about is just like some place that I don't go to and don't see, but I'm fascinated by the stories because sometimes you kind of put on this like investigative hat and you talk about cards and scammers and all this stuff. And it's usually pointed at like conversations that are happening on the blowout forum. So maybe like, cause I have no frame of reference, but maybe like share, I'm, I'm guessing people listening, not everyone does either, but like I'm used to Instagram and chatting with people there. Talk about like blowout forums or the history of forums online and cards. Yeah. So I, I wasn't, I, I jumped in in the early 2000s. So I'm going to, you know, I'm sure there are some people out there that can fill in the, the details before then a little better than myself. But um, there were, I think in the late 90s, there were some like AOL and Yahoo chat rooms where people would do trading. There was a lot of trust involved in that, just like there is anything online, but especially so then. I mean, I, when I was doing eBay in the early 2000s, like I would send cash in the mail to pay for stuff and never, never once did I get scammed. And it's like, yeah, that's not happening today. Uh, the world has changed. I mean, there were corrupt people then, but the world has changed. So um, there were, you know, there was a forum landscape back then because we didn't have Instagram. We didn't have all this stuff on our phones. We didn't have smartphones. Um, so you had like, and some of them came around more so in the 2000s. You had the Beckett forums were huge. Uh, Beckett was still a, a kind of a, a was a big deal then. It was um, the magazine was slowly deteriorating by the month, but uh, it was still a big deal at one point. I was bigger on one called Sports Card Forum. That was one where they incentivized like, hey, you know, we had they had digital currency for the website where you could buy stuff from their store called Card Cash. And you could bet card cash on games, which is a high schooler, you know, it's like, oh, this doesn't cost me any money. And it felt edgy. So, uh, you know, you'd, you'd spend your card cash or whatever. Well, here's, here's 10 card cash for posting your box break, for posting a picture of it. Oh, wow. Now I can go bet on the Cubs game again. You know, it's like, I, it, it was, it was something different. Um, you know, there's, there's hobby Kings, there's hobby insider and eventually blow out. It kind of all, all roads pointed to blow out <laughs> the other forums. Beckett, the, the other forums made some major changes that just ruined them. So then we all eventually got to blow out. So that's why, you know, a lot of people will tell me blowout's horrible. And yeah, there's some horrible stuff that happens there, but we need these old message boards for information. Like everything that's happening on Instagram, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words or whatever, but. Yeah, well, it the picture's also open to interpretation, whereas you've got information that's laid out in text and conversations between people on these message boards. Uh, and one of them, they they pulled recently, they pulled all of the archives, although I know someone's got them backed up and I, I've actually talked to that guy because <laughs> I'm like, hey, you know, I, I need this. But they pulled all that stuff and it's like, we lost a lot. Just like when Photo Bucket went through some major changes, that was our Instagram. And then all of a sudden, all the photos are very hard to access or or gone. You know, you have to have like exact links to them. And then uh, in the process, your computer gets a disease it will never recover from. So it just, um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Yeah. Uh, you got me, you got a lot of thoughts going through my mind that I haven't thought about in a long time. No, I'm certainly fascinated by it. It's like this land that exists that I like you're like the narrator of it on your podcast. So I, I'm not sure I'll ever kind of go and enter that <laughs> land, but I will certainly listen to the happenings. Um, I'll tell you one thing real quick yeah. though, that, that I am. Uh, and this is, this is prior to our conversation, but now I'm like, I, I got to do it. Um, I've been chatting with a couple uh, moderators from these old forums and I'm like, I got to, you got to come on. Like we got to talk. <laughs> Um, the story because some of the I mean, and there's actually there's crazy stuff, there's funny stuff, there's tragic stuff. Um, I mean, there was I don't want to bring the the tone down too much. There was an incident where, and I won't even use the poster's name, where like he like 
killed him and his mom. And like, there was, there's some wild stuff. Um, I, I'll have some people on, I'll make sure that, uh, I'll make sure that happens. You, you, yes. I, you've got a fan. I'm, I'm, I'm fully supporting and endorsing that. If you can get <laughs> moderators from the forums on the stories will be endless. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, I mean, it, it, we'll have to really cut it back. I mean, it, it could probably be like a 20 part series. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about like current state of the hobby. I think you know the this year has been the year I entered back into it. It's been transformational. It, you've got just I went into the I went into an LCS for the first time in probably 6 months because my uh nephew it was his birthday. Wanted to get him some cards. Obviously, I hadn't ripped wax in a while. Wanted to get some for myself. And I just looked around at the LCS and I talked to the owner. And I asked, like, I looked at the prices on everything. And just on the basketball, across all sports, absurd. On the basketball side, just completely insane. Um, and I, I noticed he didn't have any prism. And I asked him, I said, this is the first time I've been in here, Lenny, and you don't have any prison boxes. What's the deal? And he said, they're just too expensive right now for me because I don't think anyone will come in here and buy them. And so there's no need for me to get them. And I, a guy who's, you know, probably made, you know, been through it all. He's had the card shop open forever, um, selling product. Now he finds prison basketball to be too expensive to even hold in his store. So I think like I was just blown away by me standing there for hours trying to justify some purchases because I wanted something. I made the trip there, but I, I obviously couldn't justify getting a hobby box. So I, I ended up with some it's like top loaders. Yeah. <laughs> well, the top loaders weren't even that he couldn't even keep top loaders in. I because, feel bad when I just buy top loaders at my local shop, but it's like I can't I can't buy anything here. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I ended up with uh I ended up with a couple cello packs of mosaic football, a hanger of mosaic football and one cello pack of mosaic basketball, just cause I wanted a basketball product paid way too much for it. But like with, with the prices and where we're at right now, like what you, I know the, the market's pulling back a little bit, but like what's going to happen from your perspective, what's going to happen in the next like six to 12 months with this vortex that came through this year with the basketball card market and the hobby? Uh, well, if I knew that I would be charging a monthly rate for some <laughs> sort of a tool or something, I think, I don't know that. Uh, I can tell you, um, I mean, it is the off season, so hopefully things will cool off a bit. And um, I think we've got a, a bad draft class coming up and I'm sure someone will clip that audio in like three years and show me like, how wrong, how like awesome LaMelo is, but I, there are a lot of smart people smarter than myself about basketball that say, this is going to be a bad draft class. I think it's also contingent on, you know, everything's opening up, uh, well, at least in Florida, right? Anything goes in Florida here where I'm at. So you've got your bettings open. uh, People are, people are betting, they're watching college football. They're watching NFL. There's all sorts of things, you know, casinos are opening. There's all sorts of things to do. Concerts are coming back in limited capacity. So people are spending their money. Restaurants are opening up. People are spending their money. So um, we'll see. You know, I say all this and and there may be another stimulus check coming. So there's a lot of factors weighing on this. Is Zion going to be in shape? Is Luca going to have an amazing third year? Um, So it's really like this, this year literally was the perfect storm in the worst way. I'll say that it was the perfect storm for <laughs> for the climate that we're in right now. I say all this, and I've already told you, like I'm having a blast right now, but it's because I've been adapting. You talk about adapting on your show all the time, but we've had the perfect storm, you know, be it Zion and and Kobe and COVID and stimulus and Last Dance and everything added up. And Luca's amazing start. Uh, I know I'm forgetting stuff. I did a whole episode on it. People can go listen to that, but. All of that is, has led to where we're at. And, you know, I, I can't, if you put this in a simulator, you know, we're not going to get this outcome, you know, one out of a hundred times again, I don't think. It's just wild. Yeah, it is wild. Um, and I think, like, I've talked about, like, when, like, wrestling cards got me back into cards and then I love basketball. 
So I was like, let me check out what's happening with basketball cards. And then I got sucked up into the whole Zion hype train just because, you know, I, I drafted him on my fantasy team and I, he, he's people going, watch. I like Zion. So, so how much, how much of like the hobby and basketball cards in the like current state, do you think rests on the shoulders of like Zion having a successful year and Luca being the superstar that we all think he is going into next year? Well, um, and I think John Morant's going to play a big role in it too. Um, we've got LeBron's winding down. Um, had he not won this title, um, granted, you know, he's already done incredible stuff. I, and I'm a LeBron fan. You'll hear me talk about him on my show. Um, LeBron's winding down. We don't know if Giannis is going to take the next step, even though he is incredible. Um, you know, I'm not counting on guys like Jimmy Butler to carry the hobby. So you've got guys on the tail end of their career, you know, we're waiting for, all right, who's going to be the next young prodigy or whatever. I don't know. I, I think the draft, the hobby's driven by rookies. Mm-hmm. So if the rookies from the last couple of years um, don't have any longevity, then you're going to doubt the current rookie crop that we think is going to be bad. And it, it could cause for a, a correction, which, um, I guess I'm kind of cheering for that. Like maybe I kind of want to open like blasters again, but <laughs> you and, uh, I both. <laughs> um, I, and it's funny. Cause I didn't, I wasn't somebody that opened a lot of wax, but now that I can't, I feel like something's been taken from me. I could totally. always go scratch the itch at Walmart and then say, man, for that $20, I could, for that $20 hoops blaster that I foolishly bought, I could have gone and bought a Pacers patch, but uh, you know, things have changed. Yeah. And I think like just, the on the blaster side it's incredible like same card shop i just talked about they i'll remember vividly they he was selling in january february optic blasters for the 47 bucks and now Mm -hmm. when i went in there they were i think like 125 bucks and it's just like this is absolutely insane this is where we're at and people people are walking in there and like buying them and ripping them in the store and it just blows my mind and let's say you have an amazing blaster that has Zion and Ja. They're going to be off-centered. And the, I think the value of those two cards right now combined might be 80 or 90 bucks. I don't know. But the odds of getting both of those guys, even though they do typically run together, which is strange, uh, just the, the collation. But the odds of getting those two aren't great. You know, For every box that gets them, there's going to be one or two that doesn't. I know. Yeah, it's wild. But like one of the things you were talking about on your latest episode, which I enjoyed, is that so many people like think about the modern product from like a prism lens or maybe an optic, or maybe they're like looking at select, but it really like, it's mostly from a prism vantage point. But like you were talking about in the conversation that you got in last week was about talking about status and you're talking about obsidian and like the conversation around obsidian was like, got me really intrigued because I was like, I've seen these cards. I've never opened any, but like, I, I definitely think it's a unique product. So I guess my question to you is like for people that don't jump into the hobby and aren't in the like it from like the air quotes investor perspective, like what guidance would you give people in terms of just like finding good product to collect? Like what is your process typically when new product is released where you try to figure out, is this something I like or is this something I'm going to try to avoid? I like to um, live through other people and watch them lose their money and, <laughs> and, you know, see what cards they get and what they don't. Cause I've, that's why I've never bought a lot to begin with is because I always rip and regret. And, uh, even though ripping's fun and occasionally you do have the big hit, I've had some nice hits over the years, but you know, I'd rather just go buy the cards I want. It's not as fun, but I've tried, I've opened like, let's say there's this, there's a low end product that I really liked called tops total. I wanted to pull a Pacers gold card or a printing plate out of that product. I opened over 20 boxes. There are, there are 30, you know, there's like 30 teams in the NBA. I thought surely in 20 boxes, I'll, I'll get one. I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't. And so it's like, you know what, I'm just going to, I'll just overpay for the plate that I'm trying to pull. It's not as fun of an experience, but that that's kind of always been my approach is to buy singles. So now I've doubled down on that. And and not only that, but flipping 
cards that don't mean anything to me for those singles. Even if someone were to look at that and say, that's not a fair trade. It's like, well, I determine what's fair. I don't have to use the market all the time. Totally. Um, and so I want to get into that. Definitely buying singles. That's the route that I've evolved. I have more fun doing it that way. Less risk. I buy what I want. You're obviously a Pacers collector, but you have so much other vintage stuff. You've got cool stories about autographs. Like right now for you, what, what are the, what are you hunting as a, as a basketball card collector? Um, so the Pacers patches have kind of dried up. Like I, I don't want little tiny pieces of the same players again and again. So like I would rather get two or three really nice jumbo Miles Turner patches. And once I have those, it's like, you know, I'm kind of done seeking out Miles Turner stuff unless something big comes along that I want to add to that. So I'm out there, I'm getting like food releases. Like I, I showed you off, off air a little earlier, like hot dog cards, bread cards, just oddball stuff in history that I wasn't there for. And, and I, it forces me to learn about it in the process. I'm trying to go back and fill in some of the gaps with like gold prism cards and well, gold prism now is difficult, but optic, excuse me, tops, chrome gold. So I'm building a binder. That's been, that's been like my COVID project is to build this Pacers binder. Um, everyone had always told me binders are awesome. Binders are great. And I hated binders. And I found someone said, no, 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 that's because you're using an actual binder. And I said, oh, who, who would have thought that bindering didn't involve a real binder? <laughs> so I started using the Z-Folio binders, which is like a, like a leather or fake leather zip up thing. And um, they're really nice and the cards look great in them. And I'm all, ab- I talked earlier, I'm all about continuity. So that's been my project is to find like, let me collect this blue set. I was never that guy. Let me collect this blue parallel set for my team. Let me collect this gold parallel set. So I want stuff, you know, you'll never see like green cards in there. I don't like, if it doesn't match with Pacers, then, well, the opposite of Kendrick Perkins, don't send it my way, right? It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't he that was talking about that? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to find stuff that just looks good, that appeals to me for whatever reason and can go in that binder. And it, it helps the wallet too, because that stuff's cheaper. And I, you know what I really want? It's just the dopamine rush of a mail day. That's really what I want. Yeah. So uh, buying the cheaper stuff helps with that. Yeah, I've uh, my mailman comes so late. It's like it's like six or seven p.m. and I have not checked the mail yet. And there's some cards that I know I'm waiting on. So I'm hoping when I get off chatting with you, I get a couple downstairs that I can talk about because that's what we like to do. We like to get cards and we like to post them in like a badge of honor online. Look at what I got today. And every time you do that. There's just some obscure Pacer player that I forgot about <laughs> was on the Pacers for like a half a season, but I got to, I get to remember them through your Instagram account, which is Here, fun. Here's one for you that I didn't post on my Instagram that I'm not buying. Um, I, I sent my friend Steve, a different Steve that I talked to, but uh, Pacers fan Steve, a link to an Ike Diogu one-of-one Pacers auto on eBay. And I, wow. I just, I sent him the picture and I said, LOL. And, and he said, are you buying that? Cause I think I want to put an offer in. <laughs> so those are conversations that we have on a daily basis. I said, all right, you, you can have this one. I don't need Ike. I totally forgot about Ike until you just mentioned him. He was supposed to be like a big deal. He was. And then that was also the, the purge of the club Rio trio and that whole uh, uh, group with the Pacers. I'm, you're probably the only person that even knows what I'm talking about right now, but gunshots uh, in the air, blast you, them yeah, out. You and captain Jack collector, shout out James. But uh, yeah, you guys are the only two that will even know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Brett's uh, fan base here. It, it, it's my podcast. I can enjoy it. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we, um, we round out. You've do- you've been talking about, because there's no rules in Florida, right? Anything goes in Florida. <laughs> um, but there's been a lot of shows in Florida. I've seen Investor Eddie down in Florida making it happen. You can't, you, you got Eddie just doing the IG live. And there was actually, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but it just hit me. I, there was like, it was like the, like a moment in time in the hobby where like worlds collided. And I actually sent this to Kyle, but the, the, Eddie was doing a, 
I don't know what show it was. It was one of the, a couple months ago was doing his, you know, live show deal. And I saw a, like, I thought I saw like the wax museum logo on a shirt and I had never seen Kyle. I'm like, is yeah. that Kyle? And There's then not I connect- a lot of those shirts in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so anyways, I said it to Kyle. He's like, Oh yeah, that was me. We're at the same show. And there was actually a recent interaction you had with him um, that you, you, you caught. So, I don't know why we, I started, I just can't think of shows without thinking of Eddie now just because of Instagram, but maybe talk through like everybody's, I guess first, do you want to, any, any comments on um, seeing Eddie in action at these shows? Cause we're all, we've only, we've all only seen it just on Instagram. Let your imagination run wild. And it's true. (laughs) (laughs) He's a, he, he is a hustler. That's for sure. Um, but we're so used to interacting and like, especially during COVID, like Instagram, eBay, digital channels, forums, what's life like back meeting collectors, buyers and sellers in person at these shows? Uh, talk me through your experiences so far. Well, uh, it's very profit driven. Um, and granted now when, you know, I set up at shows, so, you know, I'm also there to make money at some point, but I, you know, I, I could make more money doing other stuff, I'm sure, for the amount of time I put into it. I, I enjoy the interactions. But yes, a lot of it is strictly, you know, I had a stack of Durant Tops rookies the other day, and it's like every corner gets inspected, you know, super close. And it's like, oh, you got to take it out of the top loader. Oh, you got to pull out your jeweler's loop. Oh, you got to put on your miner's cap. It's like, hey, do you like the card or not? Um, but I know, you know, I'm going to sound like an old cranky man now, but <laughs> get off um, my lawn that, yeah, that's the approach now. And that's fine. I, I actually have done pretty well at shows because of that, because I don't have a bunch of slab stuff because I have raw stuff that I bought at the right price. And, you know, I'm still buying lots. I still get good deals on stuff. You just gotta, you just gotta hunt. And, you know, sometimes you find stuff not looking for it, but, um, so I do pretty well because people like that I have raw cards and, you know, they'll try and beat you up. Oh, there's this scratch over here. And, and I, you know, I'm just honest with them. Okay, go find another one. You know, I, it does, <laughs> someone else will come along and buy it if you, if they like it. Um, and I do run into collectors that, that find stuff that they like, but it is very much, how much can this make me? Is this worth holding for eight months? Is this worth tying my money up? You know, I, I was trying to look at a dollar box a couple shows ago and I couldn't get to it because there were two 20 somethings there that were looking up every Jonathan Isaac on eBay. And it's, I almost wanted to just give them $10 just so they move <laughs> on. And I, and I'm not, I'm not made of money, man. That's not what I'm, I'm not trying to like buy people off, but it's just like you guys, you know, it's just, it's $10, just just buy them, take the risk and move on, buy cards you like. And then if it doesn't work, you have cards you like. So, are, so is your observations like most of the, the, cha- the changes of people looking at cards and like check trying to, everyone's looking at them to see if they can send them to grading and then, you know, 3X their original purchase. Is that kind of the perspective you have in observing? Yeah, it is. And it, and, and it might be to buy stuff that, you know, they like. Um, but mm. you don't get that other side of it. I, I never hear like, oh, I'm going to grade these Durants because I'm saving up for this, you know, Troy Murphy card or whatever, which I don't think anyone is, <laughs> but you never hear the other side. So I just have to go based off of what I see. So there might be people that see me because, yeah, if I'm going to if I'm going to buy an optic card, even if I'm not grading it, I'm going to take it out of the sleeve. Now I'm going to look at it because there's print. Line. If you're selling raw at a show, most people think. Oh, uh, there's print lines on it, or oh, it's damaged, right? You're selling raw because you you don't want to send it into grade. So now, even as a purchaser, I have to kind of take that same approach because I know if I'm going to move this thing down the line, I don't want something that's all scuffed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I guess just like this has been a, a wild year. There's been a lot of people that have come into the back into the hobby like myself i'm sure there's been a lot of people probably even more people that have left and said this isn't for me i'm not about this i was just trying to make a quick buck or two i'm curious uh and i put on your like uh prediction hat i guess is like what do you think like this time next year do you think 
what do you think the hobby will be like? Do you think it'll be for better, for worse? Um, what, what is your perspective going into like post-COVID hobby life? I think things will have calmed down a little bit. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that are out there that are discouraged. Um, hang in there because I do think it's going to calm down. Like I said, this was the perfect storm of Zion hype, Luca being amazing, Kobe's death, COVID stimulus checks. Like that stuff is not all going to repeat. I hope we don't repeat 2020. So I, you know, I think things are going to normalize now. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to go to Walmart and always get blasters. It might take a couple of years for stuff to come back to earth, but especially now with, you've talked about it with the state of grading, a lot of these systems that are in place that people were really relying on are just not stable. So they're having second thoughts about it. So unless changes take place, they're going to have, they're going to, you know, the people that aren't in it for the long haul are going to slowly start leaving. And, and it's not that I don't want people to leave. You know, if you love this hobby, stay. But um, if you don't love this hobby, go flip something else. I love it. That's good perspective. Before I let you go, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who is going to be the, the next head coach of the Indiana Pacers? <laughs> and is the starting five that we saw... The starting five, which maybe didn't play a lot of games together because projected, of injuries. yeah, projected, projected starting five. What, what do you think the projected starting five looks like next? As far as the head coach, it's going to be somebody's assistant. It's not going to be Becky Hammond. It's going to be some cheap assistant from the Raptors <laughs> or the Heat. It's going to be the coach that that welcomes mediocrity. It's going to be just the status quo Pacers. We're always going to make the playoffs. We're not going to take any huge risks. We suck at drafting. I'm sorry you were born here, that kind of thing. So, man, that was really grim. But, yeah, that's my outlook on the Pacers. <laughs> the starting – you know, uh, honestly, and, and I saw the Victor stuff coming, but it still, like, crushed me because I, I was just starting to buy some Paul George stuff again. Like, I just kind of let it go, right? Uh, Paul George, you can, name redacted, Benedict Arnold, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> And here comes Benedict Arnold, number two, now that wants to go sing and do whatever else and wants a max deal and doesn't deserve it. And I love Victor Oladipo. Um, 2017 was my favorite Pacers season in more than a decade, probably. Uh, well, uh, that 2013, that era was good too. But in a long time, it, it was my favorite team in a long time. But I just don't want players here that don't want to be here. I don't want that drama. So I don't know. I've heard Victor's is hard to trade right now simply because everyone knows he wants out and they know he wants a max deal. I don't know if my co-host Reggie the cat is like all over this door. I don't know if you can hear that. I'm sorry. Welcome, Re Welcome Reggie. Yeah. The audio guy. Sorry. But I think someone's going to be gone. And I, you know, honestly, I would rather see him. And this is going to, people are going to be shocked by this. I'd rather see him get rid of Sabonis than Turner. Um, and I love Sabonis. but. I think a rim defender who can stretch the floor, who can shoot is severely underrated in this league. And it's hard to come by. And Sabonis is, I think he's maxed out. Whatever we see is what we're going to get. He's not going to get any better. And then he's got that foot injury, which, you know, that's what Joachim Noah had. We've seen some guys have that and they really weren't the same after that. Hey, I got to ask you this because you didn't touch on him, but he was at the hobbies uh, hero for a week. Uh, what are your thoughts with, TJ Warren with uh, more touches and the offense running through him. Do you think that's a sustainable uh, thing? Can we see bubble TJ out in, in real life or um, was that just kind of a one-time thing? No, I think we're more likely to see playoff TJ because that's bubble TJ was awesome. And then teams actually started game planning for him and he, and he, he wasn't a number one option. And I love TJ Warren, but um, I think we need, I think we need someone beside him that's going to shoulder a lot of the load too. And, and hopefully, you know, Malcolm's healthy. Hopefully TJ's healthy and who knows, who knows what we're maybe Karis Levert. Can we get him? I don't know. Not that I'm overly excited about that, but who else are we going to get for Oladipo on an expiring? Let's just be honest. Yeah. Hey, everybody listening, if you're looking for a new NBA team and uh, you want some passionate fans who will tell you how it is, come over and join the Indiana Pacers fan club. There's a lot of fans in, in Asia. There's fans in Florida. Yep. There's fans in Indiana. So 
If you um, like Kyle, disappointment, this is your spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, but if you if you like if you like making the playoffs, we're really good at that. Yes, and then and then um, having a middle of the road draft pick. You know, you make the playoffs every year. You pick like 14th every year, and we always miss the guys that hit at 14. Yeah, no one, want, no big flashy free agent wants to come play in Indiana either. But uh, we still have. We still have the memories of Boom Baby and Reggie Miller and that legacy to turn to when things are not going our way. I always point to the banners that are in the rafters that I wasn't alive for, that people discredit, and the NBA doesn't even get us the little patch on the back of the jerseys because they're ABA titles. I always point to those banners. Well, at some point, we'll have to have you back on to talk about the ABA history and just why that matters. Because I, all I think about when I, I think of ABA is I just think of people at the state fairgrounds watching the Pacers smoking cigarettes in the stands. And that, that's enough for me. I'm, I'm actually, and I know you can't see it, I'm staring at a seat, a wooden seat, just the seat part, not the actual chair from the old Coliseum. That was an eBay buy from way back in the day, but I had saw it and had to have it. That's that's incredible. Where where can people uh, find you online and uh, listen to your podcast and follow you on social? You've got Instagram, which is at Wax Museum Podcast. I am now out of jail. I ha- I am functional. Uh, yeah, feels good. Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. So I I tried to step up my Twitter game when I was in Instagram jail. I'm going to try and keep that up. Um, you can find me on all major podcast platforms. Pretty sure I'm on all of them, Spotify, iTunes. I don't know if Google still has it or not. Whatever they have, I'm on it. And um, I have a YouTube channel. Not a lot of updates on there, but they can find me on there too. They're really bored. Kyle, thank you so much. When the season starts, we'll have to talk about Pacers and see what we have. And obviously, I'll always talk about cards. Thanks so much for joining me. All right. Thanks, Brett. I had a blast with that one. It's just such a good time chatting with someone that I've been messaging for quite some time. Go check out Kyle's podcast, Wax Museum. It is awesome. I listen to it every week. I just love his perspective. It's unique, like I mentioned, and he's always coming with some really, really good takes. If you like what you heard here, hit that subscribe button if you're not already. The one thing I I, I ask of you is, Yeah, reviews are great. That would be awesome if you do it. I really would appreciate that, but tell your friends. Most importantly, if you have friends in the hobby or thinking about the hobby, send them my way. Have them check out Stacking Slabs. Everyone, be safe out there. Take it easy. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.